Welcome to The Mother-Daughter Journey, a podcast for women working through the tenuous transition of a maturing mother-daughter relationship. I'm Abigail. And I'm Kelly. We know firsthand that the mother-daughter relationship is one of the most fabulous, yet frustrating, relationships you are ever going to have. Even so, we're best friends, business partners, and of course, mother and daughter. So join us as we share our ongoing journey and the lessons we've learned along the way. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Mother-Daughter Journey podcast. Hi, everyone. Today, we are so excited to be welcoming the amazing Chris Dyer onto our podcast. Welcome, Chris. Hi. So just a little bit about Chris before we um, put her in the hot seat, so to speak. Chris is the most valuable partner for women, for women 40 plus, I'm sorry, and shows them how to create greater vitality, visibility, and success in their business, as well as their life. She holds multiple degrees and certification in health sciences, life and leadership coaching, with over 30 plus years of experience in clinical education, sales and marketing, and entrepreneurship. So basically, she's got a lot of experience under her belt. Sounds like the total package. Right? Yeah, the total package. <laughs> she well. is a four times, wait, it gets better. It gets oh, why not? She's a four times national bestselling author and international speaker. Her lifestyle, legacy, and leadership program inspires women to strive to higher levels of personal excellence while impacting their communities. So she sounds like the perfect guest to have on our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, ladies. It's it's an honor to be here, and I'm I'm right smack dab in the middle of midlife, and so with that offers perspective as a mom, as a daughter, as a grandmother, right? Multi generational, and that's that's big part of what I talk about. So I'm I'm excited to oh yeah to well, answer we'll what what to that then for sure. Yeah, yeah. So so let let's have an amazing conversation. All Excellent. Right. Well, the first question we're going to ask you is kind of the biggie. What does the mother-daughter relationship mean to you? It has evolved over the years and it's, uh, I've allowed it to be very expansive uh, because when I grew up, the mother-daughter relationship looked a lot different than it does today. Um, and so the way that I was raised was very conservative and very, uh, I want to say rigid. And that's because I didn't have a father in in the picture um there was no male male role model at all it was my mother doing the best she could to put a roof over my head and provide and she did an amazing job at that but there are other things as as, as, and when we pick apart how we are and understanding why we are the way we are it also helps to look at the people that helped shaped us into that um so while some amazing traits were passed on to me um creativity nurturing, high level of service, of giving and nurturing and taking care of others. Conversely, there were some other things that she was holding on to that I didn't know about until midlife when I got to start unpacking all of that data. And so we don't understand and we don't know when we're young and we're very impressionable. Some of that energy and those emotions that get projected onto us from our parents or people in our family circle that maybe we trust or look up to where they, they are authority figures. And that could be for teachers, that could be for employers, it could be for a lot of people that fill that role. Yeah. So with while there's amazing goodness that came from my mother, there were things that I had to unlearn that did not serve me, okay? So I kept the good, 
and released the things that weren't serving me back to the universe. You know, these are conversations that I've had to make peace with my past that I didn't necessarily need. I didn't really need to go back and share them with my mother because there were some very valid reasons why she probably didn't feel comfortable sharing. There were things that she was maybe suppressing, repressing in her own subconscious that maybe she chose to overlook and not share that information. So it just opens up a, a wild, wild assortment of possibilities. And so what I've been able to do is to come to terms and answer my own mind with my own inner work um, and, and form conclusions that make sense, that give me peace, and also make, allow me to make peace with her and where there had been conflict for many decades to release that, to release the judgment, to have compassion for her and her story and her journey, while I also have my story and my journey. So with that, it allowed me to also, with my own daughter, I knew with my own daughter, I wanted things to be different. I wanted to have that emotional bond in relativity to the days and the times right? Being able to relate to my kids as they show up in their schools and their communities and how they interact with the world. I didn't want to put up a wall to being able to relate to my kids. So I did, I did some fun things with the kids. I allowed myself to be goofy and silly and laugh and, 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 and do things that my mother would have never done with me in a million years because I wanted to have a relatable relationship. And, and still with my own daughter, you know, the dynamics between my daughter and son are completely different as they should be. But I always wanted the relationship with my daughter that I never had with my mother. And, and I formed that expectation early on since the day she was born and held on to that expectation until she went through her own divorce and started going through her own adversity. And that's when things really started to, I was doing my own inner work. And I also had to learn to look at the identity of the mother-daughter obligation and responsibility a little bit differently. And because she was an adult, it was her journey. And I was never the helicopter parent. I was never the hover. I always allowed space and privacy. I never felt like I needed to know every minute detail of what was going on in her life. But there was a time and a place where she was really dealing with her adversity and, and having the rug pulled out from underneath her. And mm -hmm. I was there to help help her get her feet back on the ground. While she was still figuring it out, I was also learning about boundaries. Wow. Okay. I was great. <laughs> yes. yes. I yes. was grateful to be there and give her a place and a space to figure it out, to recollect, to put the pieces together and their small children involved. Okay. As a grandparent, Obviously, I have a vested interest in the health and well-being of the grandkids. So there are multiple things to consider. At the same time, things were, were a little rocky and there were there was opportunities for um, boundaries to be stepped on. And they were. Mm -hmm. And the conclusion came when I made the comment to myself intellectually. It's like, I love you and I love me, too. So that created a. Uh, a boundary of you got to figure it out. I've helped you all I can. You're willing. You, well, I don't know about willing. You're capable, mm -hmm. free thinking. You have all your, your capacities, physically, mentally, cognitively. You will, you must figure this out for you. No longer can I continue to sit back and watch you not take initiative. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And so yep. that weekend was a grieving process because I had to, in my mind, separate the identity of an expectation that I created because expectations are future resentments. When we expect people to act and behave a certain way. Yeah, that's that, a writer that, downer. That's a writer downer. I was just like, oh, wait, we're recording. I don't need to write it. <laughs> but you know what? That That's borrowed. And I always give credit where credit's due. So I, I, have, I have a business mentor who's been in my space for about five years. And one of the first things out of his mouth was expectations or future resentments. And that's one of those things that has just stuck in my psyche. So whenever something comes up, a trigger, I catch myself and as I'm wearing it's like, oh, where's that coming from? Did I place an expectation on somebody to act and behave a certain way that didn't meet my criteria? And so going back to, to my, my own mother also, right? I expected her to be something that she could not be. Right, that I yeah. wanted, that there was a void, emotional void, a vacancy. And with my own daughter, with her needing to stretch her own legs and her figure out life and go through the adversity on her own, she's a full-blown-blooded adult, right? So when I realized and accepted that, you know, as a mom, I fulfilled my obligation to the universe when I brought her onto this world I gave her everything she needed to get on her feet as an adult to thrive, survive, be independently um, responsible for her health and happiness, right? Once we do that for our kids, it's time to release the reins, honestly, give them the wings so that they can fly and figure it out. Uh, because for me to expect any more than that, well, that's that would be coddling. That mm-hmm. would be um, invasive to her privacy and her rights as, a, as, a, as an, a, an adult, So I I learned how to soften and back off and love from a distance and, you know, give encouragement and and know that she was, she would figure it out. She's a smart lady, right? Well, she's your daughter, of course, right? Of course she is. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and, you know, and I still remind her that of that, even, you know, this this has been a couple of years ago, but I, even when we have conversations and I can tell she's going through the rough patch again, and I always remind her, say, never forget who you are. Because yes. that's what happens when we get in the thick of it. We get so nose to the grindstone and it's so chaotic mm-hmm. and all the conflict and all the world's on fire around us. It's like, never forget who you are. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I mean, everything, well, everything you, so just said. you just said, everything. <laughs> but it does spark a question for me that I'm curious. So you talked about the weekend of grieving and when you had to set those boundaries. How did you share that with your daughter and how was it received? And can you share a little bit of how you worked through that kind of while setting that the boundary? Yeah. Mentioned. Yeah. I don't know that I've actually had that conversation with her because that was on me for okay. me to process. Okay. Maybe one day when the time's right and maybe she's experiencing something similar in her own life that she can relate to. Mm. But right now, I don't think it's so fresh. I mean, I have, I have done other things. I have gone above and beyond in other ways to let her know that I'm always there. I've always got her back. Mm-hmm. And, but it, it was about a two year period that we were supporting her, even though she was an adult and she had small kids, right? And me with my work ethic, there's an expectation that sometimes in life as a mom, you have to work extra hard to make yep. sure that you are providing, you are putting a roof over, right? You're, and when we, allow other people, we give that 
that responsibility over to somebody else, it actually minimizes our role as a mom to really step up and show up. And so by, I don't know that I was overcompensating, but there was a fine line, right? Like I wanted to help because there were kids involved. If there weren't kids involved, it would have been like, okay, six months. And now you have to figure it out. (laughs) But because there was kids, okay, it stretched almost two years. And at that point, it's like, you know, something's got to give. Right. right. <laughs> I need you to understand that adversity happens to all of us. There have been many will- women who have been jilted in their lives and show up and show up stronger and come out even stronger on the other side through it. And now that we both can look back, it's like, well, that was probably the best thing that happened to you because he's not really a great guy anyway. But right, you don't right. tell your daughters that while they're in it going through of it. Of course not. No, not. Yes, of course so, not. That that's part of respecting boundaries and not having my nose in her business. Yeah, there were signs all along the way. It's like, mm, yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to love you from a distance and just observe and and only step in when asked. That's respecting her boundary. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. I so basically, you had the conversation with yourself about okay, these boundaries need to be set for my sake as well as hers eventually, but primarily like I'm, I'm coming at it with, okay, this, this is a boundary for me. Yeah. And that helped both of you individually oh, wow. and the relationship kind of move right. forward. Absolutely. And then, you know, the relationship with my mother, I realized I pretty much set my, I was setting boundaries earlier on. I just didn't know that I was calling them boundaries. Okay. I was calling them stretching my limits. <laughs> Yeah, stretching, right? I mean, probably the biggest boundary that I set was when I made a determination that I no longer wanted to be married to my first husband. I met that with a lot of resistance because my mother had expectations of me to show up and be right. a certain mm-hmm. way. According to her raising and upbringing, she wanted me to have the life that she didn't have. And so she placed that expectation on me. When I broke that expectation, it all broke loose. But you know what? It was already, it was ready to, to be broken right. apart anyway. This, you know, and there were twice in our lives that um, we didn't speak for like 18 months. There were, I mean, the silent treatment. And actually for me, the silent treatment was the best treatment because all I was getting was venom and vinegar from her judgment, shame, blame, guilt, all the negative energies like, I don't need this. Neither of you do. I need to, I need to rebuild. I need to figure out who I am because clearly my first marriage was all about, oh, white picket fences and, you know, all the things that wasn't who I was to a a point because there is, there are parts of me that had yet to be unexplored, unlocked, experienced the curiosity, the curiosity that never got the opportunity to explore before I got married that first time. Yes. And had two two young kids. So I think a lot of women, probably, this is a p- hypothesis, I think a lot of women in midlife find themselves in a similar situation and they don't know how to process it, salvage what they created without breaking it off and starting all over yes. again. In my mind, I don't have any regrets doing it the way I did it. It had to happen because the person I married the first time was clearly not the right mm-hmm. person for me in so many ways that I couldn't see. Right. right. Until, until you, until you get there. And exactly. Until you're out of it. But, but I knew, I mean, 
yeah, well, and I'm waiting for more yeah. questions. I mean, so more is going to come out. <laughs> everything's working for you, not against you too, even when you can't see it. Right. Well, so, and actually just something I love about you, Chris, is that you lead by example. And what you were just talking about too, <laughs> I mean, the experience you were just talking about and how you made the decision, the hard decision to do what was right for you. I mean, that's leading by example as well for your daughter who had something somewhat similar, right? And so that actually brings me to my next question, which is, I mean, leadership is is something that you're all about. And how does, in your mind, how does leadership play a role in the mother-daughter relationship? I think early in life, we're still trying to kind of figure it out. We're still collecting data and we don't have enough data yet to form good conclusions. So the good news from from my perspective is, is I've always been curious. I've always questioned authority. I don't judge people and I receive people from wherever they're coming from. And that's also checking where my blinders are, biases mm-hmm. and prejudices. And so it allows me to collect and observe how people and human behaviors and how they interact and show up. So I just, I sit back and observe. And so I'm, you know, watching how people interact behind the scenes as much as they interact in front of the scenes. And I collect and I just kind of let that, that knowledge just sit there and ruminate because I don't need to act on it. I don't need to make a decision on it, but, but we're doing that about every person we encounter. We, a lot of times we make an immediate judgment without really looking at all the facts. And so you can't really know someone by meeting them for five minutes or even an hour, really. So, but when we, and this is part of like, even in the business world, the no love and trust. I mean, this is like seeing people in different situations, how they react with other people, how they show up in, um, in their vulnerability and their authenticity. How are they being behind the curtain? as much as they are being in front of the curtain. I think we had this, this conversation at a presentation we were yeah. all at pretty recently. And so I, I don't pretend to speak for other people in their place. All I can do is focus on myself. How do I want to be remembered? How do I want people to remember me if tomorrow was my last day? Did she do what she said she does? Is she in integrity? Does she show up consistently everywhere? in front of you or you in social media, in a written form, in a podcast, is the information consistent? That's all I can, that's all I can answer for. I, I, it's none of my business to answer for anybody else. So with leadership, it's about self-leadership and to be an effective leader also means we have to learn to be a good follower and follow examples and also maybe follow in the footsteps of people that we want to emulate and be like. So people that have demonstrated to be great humanitarians, right. great philanthropists, very generous, very servant-hearted, very servant-oriented. And I also made the reference of there's a lot of distraction, a lot of noise, a lot of people who want their five minutes of fame and influence. Sure. And that's a flash in the pan. And it doesn't really tell us really anything of any substance. When we really get to develop a relationship with somebody, there's a level of respect. Mm-hmm. And respect goes a whole lot farther in our lifetime, our lifespan than the five minutes of flash in the pan influencer. So I've learned to give my attention more to people who I would like to emulate more of. They're great examples to follow. 
and also following that energy and also learning to create boundaries and quietly, discreetly distance myself from people that don't evoke a similar energy. Yes. I hear that. (laughs) It's so. So I have a couple of questions that have sprouted up that are are not on the list. Oh, okay. I'm sure. I love it. (laughs) We're diverting. Well, I just, I'm going back to a few things that you said and one is we all deal with adversity in our life, right? And and we all have to learn how to deal with that and be introspective. And I'm curious, resilience, all the things. And so I'm curious, when did you start kind of the acceptance of, well, we all deal with adversity and I, you know, I kind of have to look inward as a result of what's happening. And what are some of your tools that you use when you know, when, when you're, when your heart or your soul or you're, you're tired or any of those things, what, what do you use to kind of go back to that? We all have adversity and we need to, you know, keep, keep walking in in our integrity. Well, the first one yeah. is to take a breath um, to just, you know, and I, and I use the Smokey the Bear reference. Do you remember Smokey the Bear? Oh yeah. Smokey yes. The yes. Growing up. Oh, wow. Smokey the Bear. Okay. Prevent, oh, help yes. prevent forest fires. Well, can help prevent forest fires. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So let's take that to a subconscious level, a little deeper level. When everything around you is on fire and you're freaking out, what's the first thing you can do? Instead of stop, drop and roll, is you stop, drop and think and take a breath. Right. It's like, what's the one thing that I absolutely need to do to move forward? Sometimes it's just sit and be quiet. Silence. No distractions. It's very counterintuitive. Because truly... All the answers yep. are inside, but when everything's on fire around us, right, we can't think. There's too much chaos, too much noise. So, and there, there's a lot of multiple layers here because because of the way I was raised. I don't like to cast shade. I was told at a very young age that I could not trust myself, that my feelings and my thoughts were inappropriate and I needed to get over it. Okay. Hmm. That set me up for decades of not being able to trust myself, of always questioning myself, of always being at a place of guilt or shame. It's like, well, am I doing the right thing or am I not, right? So how can you act when you can't even trust yourself? You just do the best you can. And then the consequences fall as they may. So I always wanted to make sure that I never left my daughter with that. Mm -hmm. I always made sure that I got your back, you're a smart lady, you're a smart young lady, I'm going to let you try to figure some things out and pick the battles, right? Everything didn't need to be a battle, which was the opposite of the way I was raised. She was a good kid. She did what she had to do. I told her one time she figured it out. She made good grades. She had everything else was arbitrary, right? I don't care if your room's messy, close the door. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? So these are the kind of battles that I'm talking about. And so I gave her a lot of grace and a lot of freedom to be comfortable with who she was. That was not my situation growing up. So I had to unlearn and relearn how to put the pieces of my puzzle back together, right? Because it was a big puzzle. It was a lot, it was a big jumbled puzzle. And part of the healing journey, ladies, is emotionally, in my emotional intelligence, I was born off the charts. Oh, I mm-hmm. believe that. Yeah. Okay. My emotional yeah. IQ is, is off the charts, right? My emotional sensitivity. Um, my compassion, my empathy, intuition, and empathy just for, for people is often, it was, I was born with that. And then, so then I 
came in with my my healthcare background, my medical knowledge, my understanding of the human body and the brain and how it works. So I have my emotional dimension and my physical dimension are pretty pretty well aligned. I was not aligned with my spiritual self and my consciousness because I down. Right. I mean it's like negative one because I was right. disconnected because I was not taught to trust myself and multiple other things that I had lots of questions. So as an adult, um, the way that I coped was antidepressants. There are three times in my life where I thought that I probably shouldn't be here anymore. Thankfully, I saw the bigger picture and consequences and the fallout of what that would look like. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So antidepressants were my, right. they were mm -hmm. my solution, mm -hmm. my temporary solution that lasted 17 years. So here I was, strong, strong body. I could teach women how to use their body mm -hmm. to get in shape and, and feel good in their skin. In my own mind, I didn't have my stuff together. I was a miserable wreck, right? I grew up as a melancholy, lonely, isolated child who didn't know how to handle her emotions, didn't know how to process. Nobody right. taught her how to process her emotions. And kids don't have their frontal lobes developed until they're 25 anyway. So when, and, and I and I just really have so much compassion for kids that are really struggling because they have all these thoughts and feelings and emotions inside here. They don't have an outlet. They don't know how to express or even what to call it or what to do with it. So what I know now is it's like my compassion mm -hmm. meter is like mm -hmm. way out there. It's like, okay. So I survived with, you know, on antidepressants for 17 years. It's probably supposed to be a few months, whatever. I tried multiple times to not be on them and decided I like myself better on them multiple times. It's like, well, what does that say? Well, that's not really, <laughs> that's not really uh, being in integrity, right? Mind and body. Well, you're, you look good, but you're not, you don't, what's coming up out of here is not good. <laughs> so long story short, ladies, I um, hired my first life coach in 2019. I'd always been interested in self-development. I'd always had read books but I never knew really how to process the information. And I knew that I wanted to release my dependency on the antidepressants because I'm stronger than that, right. by golly, right? I mean, us women, we think we gotta be strong for everybody and put it all together. Well, I really, okay. I was ready. I was ready to, to do the work. So I myself am the epitome of a midlife makeover, <laughs> <laughs> building myself back up from the ground up. I mean, totally, removing the layers, peeling back, understanding the emotions that got me where I am, the energy, especially what was projected onto me, the different roles, the different things that I assumed were meant for me that really weren't that I was carrying around. So I unpacked a lot of baggage, mm -hmm. right? That suitcase got light real fast, but I knew it was, it was my job to do. It wasn't my job to, to project it back on anybody because that doesn't solve anything. And, and I don't want to perpetuate negative energy. It's like, okay, here I am storing it. Here it is. Let me process it and let me just send it back out to the universe. I don't need to give it to anyone or anything. It's like, okay, now I can be very present and consciously create what I want my future to look like. And when I released the, um, the dependency on the medication, I was able to tap into my imagination in ways that I was not able to before. So when we talk about higher levels of consciousness and thinking, and when we give our brains and our bodies what they need to thrive, 
I firmly believe everybody has a multi-million dollar idea buried within them. By the time you're, we get to midlife, we've had so many experiences, our education, things that we've done that we never got compensated for. So we, we, yeah. we think about resources as money. Well, think about all the time we invested in building a household, a happy, successful running household. Everybody energy. else is happy. Energy, right? So I like to say, um, even even though I have a couple of degrees, it doesn't matter. And, and mom, you might appreciate this. You have enough knowledge and wisdom to have earned three PhDs. I do appreciate that. They're just exactly. not hanging on the wall. <laughs> that's that's yes. real lived experience. What's going to get you farther and help you figure out what the next step is, is relying on your own assets that are yours that nobody can take away. That's your wisdom. That's your zone of genius. And, and we should be honoring and acknowledging women as they, you know, chronologically keep adding on that wisdom, keep piling it on. I got, I got wisdom <laughs> in places <laughs> you never heard of, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, right. but that's yeah. just it. I'm here to build up women. I'm here to reduce or remove ageism. It's not anti-aging. It's pro-living, pro-living full out. And middle age is the, that's the perfect time to do it. We get to repay ourselves the debts of always investing in yes, other people, women. getting the kids up and off the ground, getting the spouse mm-hmm. up and off the ground, paying for colleges and weddings and all the things and investing in our career paths. Absolutely. Everything we've ever done is preparing us for the next Absolutely. Thing. And as you do that and you kind of, all the things you talked about, right? Looking inward, healing the trauma, unlearning, relearning, you're modeling that back for the generation behind you, for your daughter as she's raising her children, right? So being open and honest about this process is, is just modeling backwards, which is something our generation didn't have in our parents, right? That was everything they did was behind closed curtains. You didn't see the, you know, the wizard there behind the curtain. And so I feel like this is very important what you're doing here and helping, you know, women of our age and at squarely in midlife, I'm right there, kind of live their own dreams because it shows, I think, our daughters how to kind of let go, <laughs> which is something I didn't know how to do. Right. Right. And I'm, Right. Yeah. I'm right. Still learning. <laughs> exactly. And I'm right not in the position. So this is just my thought, but I feel like it could also model not just backwards, but forwards, because at the end of the day, what, what our mothers want for us is to live that, that fulfilling, free, inspiring, leading by example life. And so like, I like that the teaching can kind of go yeah. both ways. Yeah, you, I, I feel like your generation is in such a unique position to heal women and the generation above you and to help heal the generation below. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, no, and part, part of my story is, you know, my health and fitness journey, I didn't start until I was 40 years old. Yeah. I'm only 56. That's only been 16 years of my life. And yet that's part of me being able to explain it's never too late. And so my inner work journey, I started when I was 50, a decade later, 60 is going to be pretty freaking <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> Just, I mean, I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. I mean, how much more insight and wisdom am I going to continue to unpack? Because here's what happens. It's like, and, th- and this is sort of a great analogy, and I don't know if it's true for everyone, but I'm just going to say it because it, it applied for me. 
every decade of unlearning you have to do takes about a year to process. So I'm in year five. A lot of decades. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the younger we can impress upon our younger generations to be who they are without putting labels and putting them in boxes and minimizing who they are. And, and, and this is even true for my own daughter. She is much more well-adjusted at her age than I oh, was yes. at her Same. age. Yep. Right. I mm-hmm. want that for her. So my grandkids yep. are going to be rock stars, mm-hmm. right? Because there's not going to be, they're not going to have or no limitations other than the ones that are being planted on them from their father, from my daughter's first marriage. Because I think he's a lot of old school, a lot rigid, a lot of old military. And so there's a lot of influences that shape who we are. There is. There absolutely is. Just saying. There's a lot. There's still a lot of masculine energy, uh, a lot of patriarchy. I'm not anti anybody, but I will say Women have come a long way and we still have a long way to go. I perfectly well said. Agreed. Yeah. Yes, yes, agreed. So it's up to Glamma. I yes. Glamma. I, I, I love that you call yourself Glamma. I do grandma. too. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. I know, but I still have two other little oh, kind of follow-up questions. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm We're sorry. diverting by based things that you say. I want to revisit the, the boundary setting and the time where you and your mom didn't talk and not details of that, but just, this is something that I, I, that I deal with. So I'm, this is why I'm going to, I'm asking this question. I think teaching teachable moment for me. That was a really hard thing for me. I'm in the spot like that right now where we are not in communication, my mom and I, and it took a lot of learning to like love myself, to be able to say, I I'm going to take this boundary so that I can continue to grow and maybe bring some wisdom back to it in some time, right? Take some space. But I think this is one of the things that hinders us from growing is, is being able to say it's okay to take that space. And so what would you say to any woman who feels like they need the space from their mother in order to be able to grow, to be the person they're supposed to be? What advice would you give them or words of wisdom would you share? Forgiveness goes a long way. We're supposed to love our family. That's what we're taught. That's what we're told. And yet some of our family members are the most toxic people we'll ever know. Yep. Okay. Yep. Sadly, it's not all Brady Bunch and June Cleaver. Right. I mean, right. Because we have these models (laughs) that we were raised like, oh, it's supposed to look like this. Again, going back to expectations or future resentments. Right. And People are going to be who they're going to be. People who had the ability to forgive and trust again, I would be one. I have a very Mm -hmm. forgiving heart, right? So I will give people chances until they prove that they're no longer worthy of my time and attention because my energy I value. And I will save that for someone or a group of people that actually will receive me in the way that I need to be received. And so we give less influence and attention to the people that truly aren't supporting us in the best way possible. You put, you give them a very little thin line of Mm -hmm. your attention. As small as my family is, it is extremely small. I mean, I grew up as an only child. 
and have very little to no interaction with my mother's side of the family at all. But that was their choice, Mm -hmm. right? Right. I've always been here, but I'm not going to chase people either. We don't need to chase people to like us for who we are. And I think when we make that determination, that in itself sets a boundary. What am I willing to tolerate? I'm no longer willing to tolerate people being disrespectful of me. And I will save my time and energy because my time is valuable. My energy is valuable. I have so much to offer, so much love to give. I'm going to save it for the people who receive that. Thank you. I was hoping that was the answer you were going to give. I just, I had a feeling that is where it was going to go. And I've been, I've been trying to yeah. articulate that for, for a couple of weeks now. I'm like, I, to, to say the, you know, I'm still here and this is who I am. And if you want to be part of my life, I'm, I'm here to forgive and receive that. But I've been trying to articulate right. how to say that to our listeners as like, sometimes that's what you have to do, right? You just, you know, you have to, Mm-hmm. to be who you authentically are and in your integrity, sometimes you just have to say, well, I'm not going to accommodate that, but I'm still here and just hold that boundary, family or no family. But I haven't been able to articulate it. So thank you yeah. for that. Well, and it's okay to give yep. people space. Maybe sometimes they'll come to their own conclusions and they'll decide, well, I didn't really need to be right. And they can like stop standing their firm ground or whatever it is they're in disagreement with. And when we get new information, we can make Mm -hmm. new decisions. So just giving people space to grow and and flow and, and, right. I mean, it's like, if you're going to act like this, I'm going to give my attention over here. When you're willing to stand down, realize that everybody (laughs) has (laughs) their own reasons or, or whatever, that's pretty much what happened with my mom twice. She was very rigid and she had her staunch, mm-hmm. her way or no way. It's like, you can have your way. I have my way. I like my right. way. <laughs> right. And when you, when you can decide that um, you can be, my husband says you can be right or you can be happy. <laughs> I've heard that one. Yeah. To be happy means you allow space for yes. everybody. Yes. Yeah. We, we often say, you know, expect Nothing, appreciate everything. And it's kind of that just let, we, when we say that, it's like, let everybody just be who they need to be, right? And and then you draw the boundary mm-hmm. if it's something that the energy is good for you or not. I actually, before I, I dive back into the pre-planned questions, I wanted to comment on something that you were talking about earlier, Chris, and just kind of say, well, thank you for, I'm going to go back to the antidepressant conversation for a minute. Thank you for sharing that that Absolutely. is- something a part that had been a part of your healing journey. And I love, because it is a part of my healing journey right now as well. And I know a lot of people's, and I think it, I love that the way that you put it is once I was able to release my dependency, I was able to stand in my integrity and that opened things up. Right. But I, I also appreciate that you recognize that it was a, a piece that kind of got you to that point, because I do think that because there's a lot of shame and guilt around medication when it comes to your mental well-being. And the goal is to eventually, like you were saying, not have a dependence for it. But I just want to kind of, I guess, reiterate that it's okay to need it through the journey, but not to kind of depend on it forever. Right. Well, 17 years is a long time. It's way longer than what's recommended. And yet I didn't have support. Right. Right. I mean, I shared with you. I mean, I didn't get that emotional support at all for my own mother. 
I didn't have a father. So a lot of things I had to figure out on my own. So it took me a lot longer. So yeah, and there's no, I think everybody's journey is the timeline, right? Right. So 17 years was just the time you needed. Yep. And I think medication definitely has its place in helping us wade through all of that, all of that unpacking that you were talking about. It's better than the alternative. I'll tell you that. It's Um, better than the I just want to say thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And and also Mm. to give hope when the time is right. Right. I waited until my kids Mm -hmm. were grown. They were adults. You know, I was in a position where I was at a crossroads in my life. It's like, Mm. I know there's more. There has to be more. I mean, I just had this insane curiosity. I just know that there was so much more and more about me. And I really didn't realize how much I was missing because I did stay as long as I did. There's no shame there. It's just like, okay, that was the right time of my life that I could process it and, and, and do the necessary work. And, and it's like, I called in the right resources. There were people that came into my life at the right time. And I had, I had the resources to seek them Mm -hmm. out as well. Right. Not all young mothers have those resources or the time. So that's why everybody just needs to have some grace and space and give themselves time and just trust that there is a the right time for them and not what somebody tells exactly. you the right time and, is. And yes. know that everything is always changing. What's what is today yeah. does is not necessarily going to be right for tomorrow. I know we have two questions left. I feel like a lot of you kind of already answered this question with a lot of what we've talked about. Um, and it's how your expertise specifically can aid in mothers and daughters fostering a deeper connection. I mean, we, we, you kind of touched on that along the way, but if there's anything else in that pocket that you'd like to add, please, how else can your expertise aid? I think we've, we've covered a lot. I think acknowledging that each individual is an individual with their own thoughts and feelings and emotions and experiences and their own soul, their own character and self-expression and their own different levels of intelligence. And, you know, I like to say that, um, you know, creativity is the highest form of self-expression. So each person is going to express themselves creatively in a different way. Everybody has that. They were born with their cosmic puzzle box, mm-hmm. right? All the pieces are in the box and we're born with that. And it's up to us to spread it out on the table Start putting the straight lines together, the borders together and turning the pieces over and the colors and the different people and different experiences. Right. I mean, that's part Mm -hmm. of the joy in the journey. And everybody has a different box. And just acknowledge that we're we're all different. Yes, you came from me and I did my job. I brought you here. Your soul is here. Thanks to me and nurturing you and taking care of you. Now it's time for you to be your own individual person. And there's so much more respect that comes when we acknowledge that, oh, and that goes both yes. ways. I don't think my mother ever really, I, and I don't even know, I haven't even asked her. I don't ever actually think she acknowledges me as an independent, full-blooded thinking woman. Even though I've raised a family, I've completed education in a lot of ways. I have an amazing work experience and a work ethic. All the things that I've accomplished, I don't know that she actually released me from being the kid. And the kid that she remembers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
success. I'm just, I was, I'm just getting really giddy with your jigsaw puzzle I know, analogy yes, because we'll... that's the one I use all the time. Like we all, we're all just one jigsaw puzzle. We're all different jigsaw puzzles and our pieces and colors are different. Anyway, Excellent. this has been amazing. Yes, Chris. it has. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we have one last question for you before um, we invite you to share how our listeners can get in contact you or learn more about you. So what is your favorite cookie? I have to say my homemade gingerbread molasses oh. cookies. I only make them over the holidays and I make them to give out as gifts. Oh, ooh, okay. My dad would have loved that. He He's a hermit have. gingerbread kind of guy. I, I used to make him hermits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're, they're, they're thick and cakey. They're not crispy like the old ginger right. snacks we yeah. had growing Oh, up. so more like a hermit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. definitely would have liked it. All yeah. right. Inquiring minds yeah. needed to know about that. The, that was the most <laughs> important question of the, Happy to of share the day, recipe. actually. <laughs> Yeah, right. So how can our listeners um, follow you, get in touch with you if they want to know more? I would say, please jump on my email newsletters. And so I have a a website. It's sevensecretsforsuccess.com. I would like people to start following me more there because I can give quality content more than I can on social media in short, just Mm -hmm. micro bursts. I'm doing more content on more thought leader platforms like medium.com and Substack. Okay. Okay. And when we're, when we are aspiring to be in leadership, thought leadership, these are the people that I'm reading and following. And so I'm aspiring and following along those footsteps. And so for me, creating content that engages readers and educates them and inspires them more than the influencer social media, that's very short term, short lived. This is where I'm gravitating people to come into my world and where I can share and and deliver so much more. We'll put um, the website in the, um, and all of of the information in the show notes. So you'll be able to find it there when you're listening to the podcast. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Yes. Until next time, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the mother daughter journey. Take care. Bye everyone. Thanks for joining us on our journey today. If you liked what you heard and are looking for more, make sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow us on social media, but for the most fun, go find us on TikTok at The Mother Daughter Journey. See you next time.